0: Welcome to the Maritime Executive's podcast series, In the Know. I'm Tony Munoz, Editor-in-Chief. Our Executive Corner podcast will provide conversations with top executives concerning events and issues that are shaping our industry today. We will also bring you up to speed with the latest news and editorials covered by the Maritime Executive. Today, we're going to speak to Paul Anderson, who is the President and CEO of Port of Tampa. He's the past chairman of uh, Florida Ports Council and a former Federal Maritime Commissioner under the George W. Bush administration. Welcome, Paul.
1: Thank you, Tony. It's a real pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me, and I look forward to uh, today's talk.
0: I I really have to thank you. I mean, today uh, is a few days ahead of Super Bowl. And you must have many more things to do than this, so I, I really much appreciate you taking the time.
1: Well, thank you, Tony, and I, I'm uh, proud to make a plug for our hometown, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as we get ready to host uh, uh, the first-ever home, uh, home team being uh, uh, hosting a Super Bowl. Um, I'm also glad to be neighbors with uh, the GOAT, the Tom Brady, who lives in our neighborhood, and we are just uh, very excited here in Tampa to be hosting the Super Bowl and then, uh, go Bucks.
0: And, and, and so with all this in front of you, we appreciate you taking the time to spend some time here and talk to us about maritime and what's going on in our industry. You have a really unique perspective of domestic and international commerce. What's your view on, uh, COVID-19's impact on global trade? And is there a recovery nearby?
1: Yeah, Tony, this is, uh, something that continues to evolve. Um, Uh, as, as you know, I, I was on with you early in the pandemic. Uh, nobody really could ever have prepared for what we refer to as a black swan event of this magnitude, unprecedented uh it It had significant early impacts on global trade uh, uh in terms of uh, slowing down uh, uh, the flow of commerce uh, uh and it depends which trade you were in uh Port Tampa Bay happens to be one of the most diverse ports in the nation. We handle a lot of different types of cargo uh we we saw it um, it took a little bit for it to build in but we're uh, we handle about forty seven percent of the flow uh, Refined petroleum that comes in to support Florida's 22 million citizens, were the third largest state, we saw after about 30 to 45 days, a uh, as as every it's very intuitive a slowdown. People were sheltered at home; uh, they weren't going to work, they weren't traveling. Then we saw, a, a really, it was acute on um, the jet fuel side as a commodity here through the port. Uh, um, I, I think this happened globally. Uh, so what we were seeing in our market was, um, I believe happening around the world. Container side, the good news is, is the maritime industry and in, in your audience, uh, it, we kept this world, uh, the goods flowing to the citizens of the world in your respective countries. Uh, it, one can only imagine the, uh, effect it would have had on, on on the world had we had a similar shutdown uh, to the goods, uh, consumer goods, food supply, uh, and petroleum, let's just use that, I mentioned that, um, it would have been a panic, it would have been extremely disruptive, uh, there would have been a lot more uh, disruption throughout the world and uh I want to just honor all of those in my comments uh the the uh, crewmen on on the ocean going vessels our mariners our our shoreside personnel in the maritime industry, the truck drivers, all the way down to the retail level of our stores for keeping commerce flowing And it's, it's, it really is, I think, once we get a few years out of this will be an amazing case study to look at how we were able as essential personnel to keep the goods flowing. And we highlighted and spotlighted that, uh, here at our port to the community so that we would avoid panic. Uh, and we saw a number of areas, uh, where we've seen increases as the PAG pandemic progressed. Uh, I mentioned our diversity. We handle a lot of break bulk. Um, aggregate, road building materials, steel. We have new lumber service during the pandemic, and we've seen growth in all of these areas because the construction industry really has, uh, particularly in our region and in the state of Florida, uh, we are still seeing migration to our state, um, almost a thousand people a day, uh, and the construction industry here has grown during the pandemic. And, uh, listened to economists yesterday speak at our 32nd annual steel conference we hosted. Uh, and, and that is going to continue for the future, particularly for here in the United States, in some belt states, uh, you know, where, where there's warmer weather. Uh, and I think Florida will have that as well.
0: Absolutely. And I, I do agree with you. Uh, I think the maritime industry, um, from Every infrastructure that we have in place, uh, performed at a really high level and I'm very proud to be part of the industry. COVID has also devastated the cruise industry. As a matter of fact, we're, um, working on our cruise edition right now featuring Regent Seven Seas and its CEO, Jason Montague. Um, but, uh, COVID has impacted, uh, the industry air hotels restaurants, and especially in Florida, what does it look like for tourism uh, you are you're a major port uh for cruise lines um how are you seeing the industry um, recover
1: when we're talking specifically about the cruise industry um right you know, we 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 have uh, we are one of the four major cruise ports in the state of Florida, um, with the, the, the three largest in the world being Miami, Port Everglades, and Port Canaveral. We were handling pre-pandemic, um, uh, uh, you know, four cruise lines. We we had three new cruise lines announced they were starting sailing this cruise season this past November. Of course, all of that came to a, a, a halt. And, uh, early on in the pandemic and it's severely impacted not only their, the cruise industry, their employees, their, the mariners who sail on those, um, but the ports that handle those cruise ships. And in our case, I mentioned earlier that we're very, we're the most diverse port certainly in the state and one of the most diverse. So we've been able to uh, manage through this pandemic because of our other uh, cargoes that are in our, our cargo portfolio, but it's severely impacted some of our sister ports. Uh, and, and, and it's really, uh, we are very fortunate that we haven't had to make some of the tough decisions that, that they've had to make with employees and, and, uh, you know, keeping their, their, their businesses open. Um, our first and foremost is the safety of not only our, our employees, but, uh, when the cruise passengers come back, uh I think that the cruise lines uh we have been in constant communication through through various associations we're involved with, particularly the Florida Ports Council and the American Association of Port Authorities. We have a working cruise committee where we actively engage with CLIA, um, um the cruise line international association. Uh and I believe they're doing everything possible to be prepared. To resume cruise operations as soon as they can meet the criteria that has been set forth by CDC uh, here in the United States, our federal government uh, regulatory uh, regime that that they they have set out the guidelines, and we as ports are prepared to resume those with all the safety protocols cleaning uh, sanitation all the things that need to be uh, uh, need to be done to resume the cruises uh, and I I believe this is going to happen as we see vaccination get to, uh, we're, you know, picking up speed and delivery of vaccinations to the American citizens. And I hope that it's, we're four or five months maximum away from the resumption of cruise.
0: Yeah, the complexity of the managing ships with people, um, uh is going to be um interesting, I think. Uh speaking with the cruise industry, they are really addressing these issues and understanding that they go from port to port and that they have to work with those executives that manage those ports. And uh it, it's a real big deal and uh and we really want to go back to cruising ourselves. It's one of the things I enjoy. Uh, getting away and cruising um and I and I miss it and uh, uh and I also miss dining out and uh going to events so I'm really looking forward to the world getting back to normal. Uh what are some of the infrastructure investments that have allowed huge amounts of cargo to cross your docks um and and, and into the southeastern um corridor? uh i think what do you call it the i four corridor
1: yes uh we 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 uh that is really the market that um uh, that uh has contributed to the rapid growth particularly in our container business um in the last two years uh we have gone from being a very very one you know one carrier Small carrier, it was a trans, transshipment to get into Tampa to now, uh, uh we have, uh, direct Asian services, post-Panamax vessels coming into the port, weekly services, uh, with seven of, of the ten top, uh, ocean carriers in the world. Uh, and, uh, we just added a new weekly service with Zim, which, uh, you know, which was, began last week. Uh, that would be to Mexico. And, and so, the the this is being driven by the strategy that we pursued starting about eight years ago when I when I arrived here in Port Tampa Bay. There was a lot of um people who thought Tampa was a old established uh bulk trading port, which we were. Um you know, you know the, the largest product was uh the fertilizer, phosphate and the components that are utilized to manufacture that. Liquid bulk, I mentioned earlier, we're, we're bringing in almost half the fuel for the state of Florida. We've improved the infrastructure for the fuel delivery. We spent about $55 million to uh, build new uh, terminals and uh, the, uh, the infrastructure pipelines um, at the terminal to handle the growth that we saw coming in the I-4 corridor. And we're thankful we did. That was done about seven years ago. We are expanding our uh, container turbo, doubling in size, uh, adding new cranes, uh, about 40 acres of new container-grade uh, uh, paved uh, pavement. We are we are moving forward with our bulkhead improvements to handle uh, so we can work multiple ships at one time. Uh, you know, we're a little bit uh, like the dog to cop the car. We pursued containerization aggressively for many years we 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 got in we brought in two post Panamax cranes. We didn't have any weekly uh, direct services and all of a sudden, within about a six month period, we had three uh, weekly Asian container services and with our partners Ports America, who is our terminal operator, uh, as we are a landlord port and they are a long term strategic partner, we have been very nimble in being uh, able to not only handle these businesses but respond to the growth requirements that we need. We have seen during the pandemic thirty three percent growth in our container business, which is our fastest growing line of business. And thanks to the these additions of these new services that serve what we call the I four corridor, Florida's distribution hub. There's over three hundred distribution centers within an hour and a half drive of uh of Port of Tampa. We have uh, now the, not the water side infrastructure, but we also have, uh, direct highway, interstate highway access to I-4, I-75, I-275. Uh, and so this has allowed us, uh, uh, is, is changing the way people thought about serving this incredibly rapidly growing, uh, market. I mentioned the, uh, migration. Uh, of, uh, um, people coming to Florida. That is not going to stop. I think if anything, the pandemic will expedite the growth that we're seeing. Getting closer to the consumer has been really part of that strategy. Uh, there's no secret that the world thankfully had, uh, found e-commerce. Uh, think of, uh, this pandemic without Amazon, without right. pickup delivery, uh, uh, at your Walmart or at your public supermarket. I think if it was all still, your traditional brick and mortar, you had to go to the store, we would have been in a much different place. Uh I know for one, I I utilized all of my grocery shopping as delivery. Uh so getting getting closer to the consumer, faster service is driving uh the international supply chain and logistics decisions of the biggest companies in the world. And um we're, we're investing in that infrastructure to be able to serve and handle that growth, Tony. I see that we're going to have higher than 33% growth this next, next fiscal year at the port. Uh, so, we're preparing our port for the future, uh, and not just in the container side. We, we, we will make the investments we need to make to serve growth and crews. As I mentioned, we've made significant investments. Uh, at our Port Red Wing, which is a whole new cruise, to, uh, excuse me, whole new commercial terminal about 15 miles south of the, uh, the major port complex. That's almost full in the last eight years. Uh, so we're experiencing phenomenal growth. It's exciting. It's a great time to be here. Uh, and, uh, we look forward to continuing to serving our customers.
0: So you, uh, I read a little bit about you your, your port. And it has been just growing in the last three years. You've had record revenues. Um, what will, uh, 2020 look like? Um, will it impact or, or are you going to pick it yes. up? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh,
1: I, I, yeah, we, cruise, as I mentioned, is 20% of our, our gross revenue. Um, uh, so our, 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 fiscal year ended, up, uh, September 30th last year. Um, okay. The good news was for the cruise is we shut down cruise shut down in early mid April. Our cruise season is November one to mid May. So we we got the bulk last year of our cruise revenue. So we didn't see a true twenty percent reduction in in our revenue. This year we're going to prob- probably go the entire cruise season, which as I mentioned, November first we had no cruise business. But what we've done we've still had near-record net income uh, uh, at our port. Uh, what, what that means is that we've reduced our expenses and our operating costs. Uh, we've been very diligent in how we've uh, um, uh, implemented our capital projects. Uh, we've had to spread a few of those out, but we've also increased revenue in our other areas of business. So. At the end of the day, we're really looking. Even though cruise would have been twenty percent of our revenue, we may be down less than ten percent at the end of the year um, because that's we've been able to yes. grow other areas and then reduce the expense cost.
0: Yeah, that's outstanding. I I think that's pretty amazing. I have um, some friends who live in condos in the complex around surrounding the airport. Um, how are the emissions for cargo and passenger ships dealt with in the port? Is it a, a, a safe environment? This is what they were asking me. And so to have you answer that is going to be, I'm sure, in this, this, this uh, podcast with them. Believe me. Yes, um, Tony. It,
1: it, it's, I'm sorry.
0: Don't know, I'm just saying. They're non-maritime people, and I was with them, and they asked me, and I just... I, I knew I was gonna catch up with you and I had to ask you this.
1: Well, yeah, thank you. And it's good that your friends have knowledgeable friends in the maritime industry and I I'm I'm hopeful you'll share uh some of the things that we've done. First of all, uh as one of the first ports in the nation to have a dedicated environmental department, which which was Port Tampa Bay, we're extremely proud of our efforts to reduce both air emissions in and around the port. And since joining the port in 2012, I've made protecting the quality of air, water, and the lands of uh, Tampa Bay's region a top priority for our entire organization. And we've built that into the culture of our organization. And when you talk about whether it be cybersecurity, Tony, environmental protection, um, uh, cost, it, it, it starts at the top, and that's me. And this is something I really believe in. Uh, I noticed in your current issue you had, uh, I love your references to, uh, yeah, Bob Dylan. It's been, it's been, changes are blowing in the wind. I see, um one of your, uh, 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 articles is talking about reduction of any bottled water on all ships around the world. They're making the purest water in the purification system. Why do they need bottled water? we've already done that at the port. We've eliminated all plastic use in the areas i can control. Um, we focused on um, working with environmental partners. We have a world-class bird nesting program here at our our uh beneficial uh, uh spoil islands uh, with the Audubon Society. They've been award award winning. We get uh we work with uh uh, the local um, environmental groups, we put in water goats, which are, are where the river enters into the port waters. It catches plastics that are not coming from the port. They're coming from other places. We're capturing that. Um, we also, <clears throat> our facilities are required to meet strict international, federal, and state and local regulations more than any other place in the world to reduce the emission of har- harmful pollutants that enter the environment. And we partner with the U.S. Coast Guard, the U.S. EPA, the Florida Department of Environmental Protection to ensure that all of our operations at the port meet or exceed these standards. Um, Our local Coast Guard office, that's a routine responsibility of the United States Coast Guard is inspection of vessels visiting our port to ensure that they're operating in a clean and compliant manner. They're not dumping anything or any waste that uh, they also observe emission issues and uh, any complaints that would be received by those neighbors about the report would be investigated by the Coast Guard. So we're we're real proud of what we've done here. We have a dedicated director, the first in the nation of environmental for our port. Uh, he comes from an environmental agency in his past, and we want to bring best practice of what other. Groups other ports are doing around the world to our port,
0: so Jacqueline Engelman can be safe feel safe living nearby the port is that is that what you're saying?
1: I would say she's my neighbor um i I'm, I can look out my window and see the port I'm right here on the water, I see it every morning. I have two young boys, six and thirteen, and if I didn't feel they were safe here. Uh, I'm proud they can grow up. The water here is clean, uh, the air is cl- clean, and we do everything we can to operate this sport as safely as possible.
0: There you go, Jacqueline. That one was for you. Okay. <laughs> so, um I wanted to get back to you and mentioned um that you have a weekly service um and that it is it it's, it's an expanding trade to mexico um Is there now a weekly service for that um what are some of the options and how does that deal with the options that are overland i mean uh, I mean isn't that the way it goes now, so now you have this weekly service managed by did you say zimline that's
1: correct and okay uh, okay so uh you know w- one of the things that uh uh is is very important to our port is serving uh those those customers the trading partners in in brazil is by far our largest trading partner followed by okay. mexico uh, Canada would be third. Uh, so it was really important for us, uh, to focus on Mexico trade. And, you know, there's, there's starting to get congestion starting. There has been, uh, with the traditional way that cargo that leaves Mexico into the United States has been by rail. But when you look at a map, it makes perfect sense for, to have a cross-gulf service. Uh, and so we, we see tremendous growth, uh, uh, potential with our trade partner, Mexico. It's already, as I mentioned, our second largest trading partner with two-way trade in goods of over $600 billion a year. So it's a, it, there's a lot of opportunity for us to capture, even if it's small incremental percentage, we would uh, be successful. I also believe the recent implementation of the United States-Mexico-Canada uh, uh, Agreement, USMCA, combined with the global sourcing strategies we talked about earlier, near-sourcing, near-shoring of manufacturing, point to continued growth in the U.S.-Mexico trade. And this Zim service, uh, they saw that opportunity. They've started this service. We had the first call, I believe, a week ago, and we're really looking forward to that growing. Um, and uh, we know the customers that will be using that service. Uh, I was on a call earlier today, uh, and they are uh, telling us that those will ramp up very quickly to, as they shift cargo from other modes of transportation to this, uh, uh direct service from
0: Mexico. Well, congratulations on that and I hope it serves you and your clients well. Thank what you. What is, um Port Tampa's ranking in Florida and overall in the United States? Well,
1: Tony, uh, I, I like to say, you know, once you've seen one port, you've seen one port. Uh, when I was a federal maritime commissioner, I had the opportunity to visit ports around the country, other international ports on a few occasions. Uh, they're, they're all different and even how you rank them is different. Um, and, and sure, we, we are, are the largest port when you buy, by real estate of over 5,000 acres. We're the largest in bulk. Commodities, and so that would be fertilizer, limestone, granite, cement, coal. We're the largest in our liquid bulk, the petroleum, sulfur, ammonia, orange juice. Uh, and in brake bulk, we're, the, we're Florida's largest steel handling port uh, with a cluster of related activities involving manufacturing, fabrication, processing and distribution of steel products. Uh, and last spring, we also began receiving regular shipments of break bulk lumber. I mentioned that earlier. During the pandemic, new service. So, you know, we're largest in those areas. We're not the largest in crews. That would be Miami, Navarro, Port Everglades. Uh, those are the three largest in the world. We're not the largest in containers. That would be Jacksonville, Miami, Port Everglades, in some order, in the state of Florida. Um But as far as, uh, you know, we're in the top 10 to 15. I can't tell you exactly off the top of my head when you consider tonnage and bulk tonnage, uh, in the nation. Uh, but certainly it's our diversification, uh, that really makes us, uh, a, a very viable option for a broad range of customers. It gives us, uh, really good financial Strength in that diversification. It's just like your personal portfolio. You don't want to be over invested in any one cargo and, uh, or excuse me, any one commodity or, and, and, and that goes, uh, goes for the, uh, cargo diversification that we have at the port. Um, and I think that, uh, even the rating agencies, when we get, we just received a, uh, reaffirmation of our, our financial rating from Fitch, uh, with a stable AA rated, and, and that's because of this cargo diversification. And uh, we, we're not the biggest maybe in any one area, but we have such a good, strong portfolio that makes us uh, a, a very stable port uh, platform for uh, for for now and for years into the future.
0: So, is the port a private or a public um, complex?
1: Yeah, so Port Tampa Bay is a legislatively created independent port authority. What that means is we are created by the, the state of Florida government. Uh, we have a board uh, with five members appointed by the governor of Florida, the mayor of Tampa, and a county commissioner representative for a total of seven. And we're public-private quasi-operating entity. Having said that we we operate under certain public uh regulatory you know, procurement, for example, but in many things we do Tony we operate much more like uh, a private entity. We are competing with other ports around the the country and the world uh for our for our, uh for goods in 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 shift uh we We have to go market to the world. Uh, and, and we, you know, we just didn't sit here and wait for uh, ocean carriers in China, in uh, Europe, uh, Latin America to say, "Oh, Tampa might be a good place to bring our ships." We went to every one of these corporate entities as a marketing business development, just like you would in the private sector. Took years of work, years of investment in uh, a, a, a strategic uh, vision happen. And it's very similar to what your private businesses are doing. And my my goal is that when when we have private uh, partners and private customers, they feel like they're operating and working with a very nimble, responsive, customer service-oriented, private sector-like board. And that's, that's our goal here, and to create new jobs and economic impact. For our state and our
0: region. Well, it's very impressive. I, I must say, Paul. It's um, and I, I want to thank you for spending some time with me. Do you have any final thoughts um, that we can share with our people uh, that will be listening very, very much to this? Because I, frankly, think that uh, Florida is a great place to be. Uh, I love living here, um, and uh, I welcome any, any anybody to come by and visit visit us, increase in tourism. Uh, I think what you've done there in Tampa is remarkable. Uh, anything you'd like to say to finish? Yeah,
1: Tony, thank you. First, thank you for having me. It is truly an honor. It's been great to uh work with you for decades. Uh, I would say that every person, um, you know, take from this global pandemic uh the positives that we've learned. We're going to have to work through, continue to work through this. this is not over, uh, but but learn from this. Uh, we need to learn as a nation. We need to learn to be better prepared. We need to ha- uh, we need to have better leadership on how we prepare for these kind of events. Uh, uh, you know, learn how to operate better. Find efficiencies. Uh, build your culture to be able to handle. Uh sudden changes in the environment. it could be weather related It happens every year from fires we're seeing you know larger hurricanes so preparedness uh and 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 I would also you know make sure that you learn from this what your priorities are, both personally and professionally uh I think for every person in the world that has been through this uh we've had to re- re-evaluate what our priorities are. Um, we're working different. I think we may be better than we were before on how we work here at the port. We're going to take these learning experiences. We've been very focused on our people's wellness, both physical and mental during the pandemic. We've rolled out a lot of uh uh uh, uh with our healthcare provider. Ways that we can provide services because this has been difficult. And if you haven't been scared during this, then you're not normal. Uh, if you haven't been uh, had uncertainty, loneliness, whatever the case may be, so we've been very focused on coming out of this pandemic better than we were before. I wish everybody to continue to be safe as uh, uh, and take the still take the precautions as as these variants emerge. Until we all get vaccinated. And I wish all of your uh, audience that you reach uh, all the best for uh, a different 2021 and as we uh, grow into the future.
0: Well, thank you very much, Paul. And uh, enjoy the Super Bowl. Um, I wish everybody in the world was coming there, but I'm sure it's limited and uh, it's got to be a great honor for you and your city. Uh, congratulations.
1: Thank you, Tony, and
0: thank you for having me. You bet. Bye. Thank you for listening to In the Know, the Maritime Executive Magazine podcast. We hope you'll join us again for our next exciting discussion on maritime technology, business, and policy. In the meantime, please visit us online at www.maritime-executive.com for the latest news and views from around the industry.